that boy a creamy one day. <laughs> I like the sound of that. All right, well, then I suppose I should start. Um, this is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode 178. I am joined today by a very special guest, Jason, Jason Brown. My middle name is Guajava. <laughs> Uh, I also have with me Mr. Michael Mahoney. I just want to say that listening to Matchbox 20 with another man does not make you gay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll have to find out more about that later. Uh, and finally, last but not least, I have Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. I just saw that they made a new Fire Pro Wrestling, and I forgot what my clever combat was going to be. Oh, okay. Uh, Beautiful. If it, if it comes to you later on, be sure to uh, tell us. Sure, it's probably going to be insulting on the meaning, as usual. <laughs> Throw it in the fucking uh, garbage can. By garbage can, I mean Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Off to uh, I am I am back hosting today. I am, my name is uh, Jay Joseph Jr. I am fresh off uh, the plane from Scotland, and if you can't tell, we are already off to a rock and start on this podcast. So, uh, <laughs> so let me begin by saying, first of all, Jason, it's always nice to have your presence on here. My presence is felt everywhere. Yeah, we have to wait until, uh, that's, that's true. You like touch us like a spirit, like an angel, something God. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish oh. you, I wish you would at least leave when we're in the bathroom. I have, <laughs> I have big hands. <laughs> um, I know. So, so before, before, before uh, we get into like, everything, I guess I should have really asked this earlier before we start the podcast. Um, is there anything anyone played, anything new that's come up that they want to, that they're dying to talk about, super want to talk about? Because if not, this is going on like a fucking roller coaster ride. We uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time with it, but I did start playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, okay. And I think you guys have totally overrated it. Uh, that, we could we could discuss that for sure. We could definitely we could definitely uh, put that up there. I don't mind talking about it and talking about why you think it's overrated. Um, and on that note, I actually got a little bit of uh, Breath of the Wild in, and I too think it is over, an overrated game. So, with, we possibly can, like, with the qualification that uh, it's been evaluated as the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> yes, yes, like just like I that. think both of them have been evaluated as the second coming of Jesus. Uh, I think you're, I think you're right, and they they have like a weird kind of rivalry going. I don't think the two games are alike at all. Um, other than their open world, but that's like saying, you know, that's like comparing them to GTA Five or Skyrim. Both of them are games. pretty boy. The question, the real question <laughs> that everybody needs to ask is, which of them is closer to Dark Souls? Oh, that's a, which that's of a them point. is a Dark Souls of a genre? I don't, I don't suppose anyone here has played Crash Bandicoot, huh? So we, we we don't need to talk about that. But I did want to actually talk about the Crash Bandicoot being uh, the Dark Souls of whatever. Really quickly, like we could touch on that really quick and then we can fly into some of the other news. Um, and there are some topics I think Jason and I want to touch on really quick and then we'll move on to these super over overrated, really horrible games that Sony and Nintendo did a bad job on. But first, let's talk about the new Crash Bandicoot game and let's talk a little bit about the uh reviews that have been rolling in for this thing. Um, <laughs> Lucio, did you have any kind of statements on that at all? 
So there's this Twitter account that I follow called It's Like Dark Souls. And basically what it does is anytime that somebody says, oh, this is the Dark Souls of whatever, they kind of just screen cap it and retweet it. It's kind of just for fun, right? Right. Um, but um, for some reason, Crash Bandicoot has become really hard for people. And so all of the news outlets are saying that it's like Dark Souls because it's hard, um, mm-hmm. which you can imagine was... Uh, you know, welcome with open arms by the readers, as most things are giving me journalists do are. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that's kind of the thing, right? And um, I I I played a lot of um, I, I kind of I was a little I was a good little boy, and I caught up a lot on a lot of my old school games. I never got a chance to shut touch when I was younger. So I've been playing Symphony of the Night. Um, I did actually play a little bit of uh, the old Crash Bandicoot, and. I think people don't remember that these older games were difficult games for whatever reason. They There's don't remember definitely that. Um, I mean, a lot of it is that design has come a long way um, since um, you know since those games came out. Um, have, has anybody tried to play Final Fantasy One in the past, like maybe six years or so? Like the original? I, yes. I played it like last month. Oh wow! Like, that game has a ton of bullshit in it. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love it, but there's a lot of bullshit in that game. <laughs> I guess it's it's fine. It's it's a pain in the ass sometimes, but exactly. It's That's okay. what I mean. It's like, but there there's stuff that we just wouldn't do today, like you know, what, like having I, that I, one square that the monsters are like a much higher level in the one continent. Yeah, I I don't know that I ever played like an honest game of Final Fantasy One. I, I think I would always figure out an exploit so it always start out a little um rough but then i would exploit the game and then freeze on through the ending that's the other thing in the uh, age of uh, the before time before patches existed um uh, an overpower exploit was here forever <laughs> there was no rebalance in your game so yeah um, that's true that's very true, and and so this this actually brings a good point, and I'm gonna uh, fly it really quick to you, Jason. First, I want to know what possessed you to go back to Final Fantasy One. Because I have this really sweet SNES USB controller, and so it, it prompts me to play old NES and Super Nintendo games on it. Because why not? Most that's of the time when answer. I was emu- most of the time when I was emulating, I was using a fucking keyboard, and that's annoying. So. <laughs> That's a fair question. Um, I'm actually super excited because all my Raspberry Pi parts came in. But um, how do you feel? You know, I, I think this is actually this actually might be a pretty interesting question. Uh, in the age of, of Steam and PSN and the eShop and all that, how do you feel about um, developers releasing games in kind of you know, I, I guess in the best case scenario, they release it in the most finished state possible. But in other cases, they they release it just kind of like uh, completely broken, and they're like uh, we'll say, you know, we'll patch this along the way. And this is this is drifting off from Crash Bandicoot. No one cares about Crash Bandicoot that much. Um, so as a as a developer, as a guy who is working tirelessly to get something out on that market and who's worked on games in the past. How do you feel about that kind of attitude that we'll release it and then fix it as we go? It's it's okay. I mean, the fact that you can do it sort of makes it okay to do it in a way because you can be a little bit more lax about it. But also, I think a lot of developers who are new are not 
properly uh, planning their games beforehand. So they're writing their shit all sloppy and they're going to spend the rest of their lives fixing their shitty broken game. <laughs> like uh, I played a little bit of the that Friday the 13th game recently and it's just like a fucking mess. Uh, and Jay's that... personal favorite game. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking travesty of game design. <laughs> like just yeah, every, and everything it... in that game is bugged and broken. And, you know, whenever you see these bugs happen where you don't know, you don't even know how it could have happened. Like, how, how does it even happen that you can just run up a hill forever and fly into the sky like you're playing fucking big rigs? <laughs> yeah, and, like, if you look at the um, the kind of launch schedule, it's it's an officially a launch game. What they launched was a 1.0. Um, but if you look at their production plan, it's like, oh, and then we'll release the single-player game um, in the summer sometime. And they're basically releasing what they admit is an incomplete game and then just saying, Oh yeah, you'll get more of it as time goes on. Um, that's very much the case of Friday the 13th. So don't, don't get me wrong. So a part of it is because they want the money right now. And in some cases that may be just like, well, they don't, they're running out of money and they need money now. So why not put out the game now? But also in the case of something like Friday the 13th, that game's, Fucked up, son. It that needs like another six months in clo- behind closed doors at least. It bothers me a lot more when like big publishers pull the shit. Like, like Final uh, Fantasy Street Fighter 15 Five was for not example. finished when it was released. Oh, really? I'm telling you, like uh, half the story. I, I, like, was... well, I, I remember, I remember the previous stories. I I was under the impression Final Fantasy 15 was more of a case of Mass Effect 3, where they released it with a certain ending. Everyone hated that ending, and then they used their powers of, uh, of you know, patching and all of that in order to put something that people liked in. Um, no, no, no. Little- they they said like even before it was released that they were going to uh, to continue adding to the story as oh wow. Uh, they they positioned it as if they were offering free DLC, but they weren't. Um, and they're still updating it today. Like they just added like off roading, which is like okay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so like you know, it feels like a major like part of the game just got added, um, and they're actually also releasing DLC, which is not free, uh, but it's extra to the actual game. Yes. It's funny because I I, I, I almost feel like uh, uh, Jared and I are having like a phantom uh, podcast conversation here, where he started like part one, and I'm starting, and I'm going into part two, <laughs> just to developers and the behind the scenes and uh you know current behaviors for video games and all kind of thing but that's yeah. that's like the final fantasy 15 thing actually really shocks me that's i would say that's even worse than uh what street fighter 5 pulled because um, oh that's a perfect example of something like that. yeah so that's that's really bad and and i've i've been playing a lot of um uh, secrets of grandia again um, and that's something else. I'm not sure. I think it, I think it's still in early access st- that status, though. So at least I have an excuse. And it feels like something they're going to complete. I'm a little bit worried. Um, like if anyone if anyone doesn't know, Secrets of Grandia is kind of this old school RPG styled. Um, it's got some Zelda elements, but it's kind of its own thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, a little pricey for early access, but it feels a lot more complete than a lot of other early access games. Uh, they've got a nice aesthetic going. I think they've got a really clear design path. Um, 
which is something, you know, I think Jason has too when he sets out to do his stuff. But they're making me a little nervous because it's been a little while since we got an update. The last update was a dungeon that's cute, uh, but it's not great. And then, like, their big thing now is, oh, now you can build player housing. Usually when someone says, okay, now there's player housing, that's kind of the beginning of the end. <laughs> so, like, uh, we're going to build, like, an open-world sandbox now where you can build a house, and then that's the game. Uh, congratulations. Oh, no, it's the feature creeps. Yeah, the feature creeps. Um, do, do you think you would ever do something like that? A feature creep? I mean, I have done that before. Oh, okay. But, but I mean, that's what happens when you have a lot of time to work on your game. And like, after you've released it, you're like, you're in a funk where you're not working on another new project. And you're like, oh, maybe if I release a big update, everybody will care about this game again. So you start coming up with weird shit to shoehorn into the game. But see, I, I, I think in your case, it's a little different because you're, you're talking about something that's like finished, right? You're not talking about something that... Um, you know, you have more game to develop on top of that. Well, or maybe you did. About, I mean, it's yeah. I'm talking about something that's already finished. I guess if it's an early access, that's a little bit different. Right. But if if it is finished, I mean, I guess you can still have feature creep in an early access game in the sense that if the early access game shows you all the features that it has. And then suddenly there's all these new features popping out of nowhere. And you start to suspect, wait, are they getting bored of designing the other parts of the game? And now they're just trying to do stuff that seems fun for them. Uh, yeah. But, but also yeah. you have the problem of like a game will come out of early access and there's no discernible difference. So like Arc, happens just, a lot. Arc just recently went 1.0, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Because, well, I don't think they just did. I think they're going to. But there's not really going to be any discernible difference. Like, they're just going to say, hey, it's done now. But they're not really going to, like, it's not going to come with this torrent of fixes and changes to everything. Right. It's just, hey, it's done now. Yeah, it's just kind of what they've been putting together and putting together. And then you wake up in your library one day and that's just kind of the game. Yeah. Um, but, it, it, my... but um, there's also stuff that they missed and and stuff that people are bitching about for fucking years and they never get around to fixing it for the 1.0 release. It's like, no, no, you're not done yet until all this shit's fixed. And they're like, nah, we're done. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, Michael, is is Rust, like, complete? Is that, like, the finished version or is there supposed to be more? No, I think Rust is still in, uh, I guess you'd still call it early access, but... Yeah, it is. I mean, they yeah. just keep changing it. Like, I, uh, I logged in to play at couple weeks ago and they've radically changed it from the last time i logged in i mean they, wow. they keep they can't decide what they're doing with rust because i i recently yeah i recently got rust and i started playing with it a bit i just like on a private server because i don't fuck people but also <laughs> but i just wanted to sort of see how it played because also i got it like from a humble bundle so i didn't really pay much for it so that's fine and uh i, I was looking at all the news updates and you know all the patches and stuff and they they really have an identity issue in the sense that like first the game had like really early on the game had like zombies in it and shit. Yep. And mm-hmm. then they're like, yeah. eh, we don't want zombies. We don't want NPCs wandering around. We just want it to be a pure PVP game. There's no other real pushback except other people. And then now they're starting to say, eh, we're going to start having NPCs in the game again. 
Not not oh. zombies, but it's going to be NPCs that wander around and, and will possibly murder you. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just don't seem to know what to do with it, but it's still pretty good. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I don't think it's uh, necessarily bad, but it's definitely something that just makes me nervous. Um, I, I think two games... Well, I'd imagine, because last time I killed and ate you. <laughs> I didn't mean Rust in general. But yes, that makes me nervous, too. So I don't think I'm necessarily... Uh, uh, play in the same world about Rust as you, Michael. I'll find uh, you, little buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was saying that's something that makes me a little nervous about early access games in general. Um, I was following two, The Black Death and uh, I, I, uh, The Savage Lands was the other one. Um, fucking Savage, Savage Lands. Lands. Yeah, that, that's just been like fucking decimated on Steam. It was the First time I've ever seen a very uh, negative, and you know, I, I what is Savage Land is basically abandoned where now, right? It's essentially abandoned where. I mean, I guess the guy just isn't going to be updating it anymore. Wow. I mean, from a technical perspective, the game was a little bit of a mess to begin with. I the things I own, the only things I really liked about it were sort of thematic, like, oh, it's sort of like a weird. It's almost like a, a, a Rust-like game, except takes place in like a medieval Skyrim sort of setting, and it's mm-hmm. sort of cool because it's like Vikings and dead, like skeleton Vikings and shit. And it looks but, really bad, dude. It, but it, yeah, it looks really ho- like the graphics are shite on a fucking <laughs> stick, and the yeah. animations are janky, and like everything feels kind of jerky and weird. And I think. The developer probably just got sick of working on it and feeling he probably feels helpless, like he can't make it any better than it is. See, now so that's not going to that, make it anymore. Simple. That's actually an, an interesting, <laughs> simple, but that's actually a really interesting uh, phrase how you put it. Like he feels kind of helpless because I feel like on like the consumer end, you would look you look at that little river and like, oh, basically I just got ripped off. He took my money and he's running away. But the way you define it, like helpless and just got in over their head and all that, I think that's a little bit different and uh, um, definitely fair, you know, um, in terms of what happens to some of these developers that take on these projects. Uh, but in over their heads, I, I think that I think that's a nice way to describe it. Well, you have to be charitable when you think about, first off, how many people are making the game? Second off, how big is of the scope is the game? And then you have to look realistically and say, I don't think a one person team is going to be able to make something like rust or like seven days to die or like whatever pick any game that's like uh savage lands i remember a couple of uh of years ago that michael and jared went to this like utah game convention and they were talking about like this game that was supposed to be like dark souls with skyrim and like it was like a three-person team It's like, oh, wow. oh that yeah. wasn't even the most ridiculous uh, pitch we heard that year. It's like, <laughs> that's never getting finished. Like, you will never see this game go live. And as yeah. I recall, we never did. Nope. Oh, there you, go. you know, Talking. you know what they what they should have done is um, they should have just made like Tetris or something, only really hard, and then they could have said it's like Dark Souls. There you Dark, go. Dark Souls. I'm I'm now going to start a new project called Dark Tetris Souls. <laughs> no, no, you don't I, need the dark. I love Just it. Tetris Souls. Yes, Tetris Souls. 
Tetris Souls. It could even be all one word. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I, I assume it's just going to be like Tetris, except, um, except you like you just lose in one move. Well, I, I, this is what you do. You it's it's Tetris, but if you lose the move, um, all of your pieces go away, and then you have to find your pieces again. And once you have your pieces back, then you can start doing a little puzzle with it. That's how you do Duck Souls. It's like the mo- number one most most important like Dark Souls element is finding your shit. Like you don't want any of that other stuff. You don't want some cool loot and you don't want like rewarding bosses. You want finding your shit. It's like I lost my car keys. How can I get my car keys? Oh, that's like Dark Souls. I gotta find my car keys. Oh. You start out with a half broken Tetris block. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, for some reason everybody's dead. I like it. So, so that was. Um, I think that was very, very insightful. I wasn't. I didn't quite ex- intend to go with her uh, that early, but I'm glad we discussed it. A couple of more bits of um, of news, really quick. Um, first off, in Overwatch, a new character release was released. Uh, Doomfist is out, and he is not played by Terry Crews. I know, so. man. Well, how did they fuck that up? You're really passionate yeah. about this. Because like, that that's what everybody wanted. And they um, fucked it up. Like, who's they, they playing? Had... Huh? Who's playing Doomfist, do you know? Not Terry Crews. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Does it matter? Unless no, it's like it Morgan matter. Freeman or like Sam Jackson, I don't care. I you know what? I, I feel the I feel the same way about <clears throat> Payday Two when they they did a cross fucking promotion with the first John Wick movie and they added John Wick to the game as a playable character. Keanu Reeves? Nope. Some fucker who sounds like someone trying to do a Keanu Reeves impersonation. <laughs> Bullshit. The thing the thing with this is like they hyped up Doomfist for a while. They hyped him up since like before the release of the game, and then they had like the whole thing where like Terry Crews would go would be spotted like outside of the Blizzard headquarters and then he. He would be like, you know, in Twitter talking shit about being doomfist and stuff like that. So it's like, why? Like everything yeah. seems to align. That's a, that's a, it's disappointing. I, you know, it's it, it reminds me of when I was a little kid. Um, you know, Macaulay Culkin. That was back when we also liked Macaulay Culkin, and, and he wasn't some cruciate uh, weirdo. And they, uh, there was like a small screening. I think it was, um, was it like Home Alone 2? It was like whatever the fuck he did after that. There was a small screening. They were like, oh, all the, all the Macaulay Culkin fans. Was, I don't know. All the Macaulay Culkin fans have come to this and he's going to be there and then it's going to be great and all that. Um, and we went to the event and um, they told us at the end of it, like, well, it turns out we don't have Macaulay Culkin after all. But we do have Macaulay Culkin's manager that you could talk to. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> it's kind of like that, yes. <laughs> That's like my most relatable story to doing this. Was um, his manager cool? No, not really. Oh. I, I, guess, I, mean, I guess fucking I guess, pedophile or something. I guess if you like, like the 1990s um, like guy with the mullet and the... Um, hey. Hey, kids, kids, <laughs> you guys don't work as course of drugs or Macaulay. Yeah, that was good. He just needs a little green. 
So yeah, that's uh, the biggest disappointment. You fucked up, Blizzard. Uh, no this. I I think you can still get a bunch of Overwatch skins by doing a bunch of random shit like buying I mean, stuff on Prime Day. So I've uh, I stopped playing Overwatch for a while now. Like I only have it installed so my kids play when they want. Yeah, I haven't touched it in ages. Like uh, after a while, I got tired of the whole like loot box bullshit and. Like the salt became so intense that it was like uh, you know causing problems with my car's paint, so um, you know it's, it's just not fun anymore. And you know, I I think the I think the loot boxes and the skins are just kind of at this point it feels like Overwatch is um, a bribe to do other things. Like I know Prime Day right now is intertwined with uh, Overwatch. I know Twitch is intertwined with Overwatch. I know By the way, shit in like Heroes of the Storm for Overwatch. I was hearing today that uh, some college is going to offer Overwatch scholarships. And the deal is, is that you need to devote. No. You need to devote at least. I mean, it is a joke, but not in the way you think. Um, We're not laughing. You have to devote 15 to 20 hours a week of uh, training and all that stuff, plus going to competitions, all for the um, very generous amount of $2,000 a year in scholarship money. Are they like, holy shit. I know. I told you it was a joke, just not the way you mm. thought. Esports is cancer. Yes, man. Man, the Republicans are right. College is awful. We need to get rid of it. No more Overwatch. But where's Trevor to defend himself? He loves esports. Sick with him. <laughs> well, I knew he was a I fucking don't think asshole. It's necessarily esports' fault. I think it's just college is going like we can. Oh pay my these god! Kids money. Less than minimum wage for basically holding a part-time job. And they still have to pass their classes. Dean, Dean, I heard about something called Twatch, and people are making a lot of money on that. <laughs> you know what's more fun than playing Overwatch? What's playing McDonald's. Mm. Playing McDonald's Burger Flipping Simulator. <laughs> I, uh, I assume uh, that all those geniuses that are PC gamers will uh, will get math degrees and make $300,000 a year. I, Fuck I, those I nerds. Mean, I, I think yeah, if you, I think if you go to college on Overwatch scholarship, then uh, you'll be playing McDonald's. You're obviously going to be having so much sex. You're not going to have any time for your studies. That's would you that's put that on your resume? Very extremely true. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very very disappointing. What Overwatch has become in a very meta way. Like I'm sure the core game is still fine. They've only added like two characters and they rebalanced a couple of times, but the core game is still uh, fine. the The problem is the people who play it. That too, and I don't like. Like, like I said, the much. salt is uh, is like I had some guy the other day like bitching that I wasn't healing him, and he's like, "Dude, I'm Lucio. Just fucking stand next to me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what drove me away. I was playing as Mercy, and um. It, you know, good mer- good mercy players. What they do is they'll fall back because they understand if a mercy is on the front line, she's getting shot dead, right. shot up in a graveyard. Um, and you know, people got so fucking pissed off. They're like, "You can't heal all that kind of stuff." And keep in mind, it was like one of my matches where I was the top healer, and I was like, "I'm just done with this shit. I can't do it anymore." Um, so it, yeah, it's sad, and I feel like. I don't know what it is about Overwatch. I mentioned this before. I don't know what it is about Overwatch. It's all such a soft community. But I do feel like if Blizzard wanted to try a little bit harder to curb that, 
they could, but what's more important is that they set up these Overwatch scholarships. So let's move on to another uh, uh, up and budding esport that's going to be great for everyone, and no one's going to forget about in a year's time. Uh, Splatoon 2, there are updates there. Um, and we'll go through these really quick. You know, First, you know, I know which one you want to talk about and which one is the important one, but go ahead. Uh, I only have so, one question before you start. What's How that? much to sign up for Splatooniversity? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you should be the, the punishing vault ink, so. Inkversity. Uh, 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 let's just set tuition at, I don't know, 30,000 inks a year. All right. Uh, okay, so that's, that's so much. So, first of all, some slightly new uh, Splatoon 2 details. So, the most important of these, I'll mention it first, is that you will get a companion app for Splatoon 2. So, you can add that to your cell phone. And I don't know what the companion app does. I don't think anyone here cares. Um, there will be a Splatoon 2 kind of me-verse aspect now. I, I think there were social aspects in the last one, but... Um, you know, I guess there's going to be more like that. I don't know if there'll be many games or any of that shit, but I just heard comparisons between Splatoon and Meverse. And the um, the big thing is that for people that have a Nintendo Switch, for all of us, uh, all almost one percent out there, that's one out of uh, every five people that have a Switch that really super cares about Splatoon. There's going to be an eShop demo coming up this weekend on July 15th. So you can go ahead and play that. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Lucio really wants to talk about it. He wants to talk about uh, Marina and Pearl. I mean, I don't have a Switch, so I'm not going to be playing it. I don't care about all that stuff. Uh, there's so I, too, do not care. Okay. We know well, don't care. The important thing is that... Just had to uh, get that in there. Nintendo's... Uh, Nintendo has fixed their diversity problem, and Marina is going to be our first squid of color. We, so, she's not a squid. She's an octo whatever. Octo uh, well, then they octoling octo <laughs> person. Separate but equal, huh? Um, Sounds like segregation. Uh, so, so the new the new idols are this uh, black uh, octoling chick, and basically Chucky um, is the other one. Uh, the child's played Chucky. One that stabs people. Right, right. I think that's oh, uh, okay. I think that's accurate. Uh, I like them. I, I like the designs. Uh, you know, Pearl. No, I don't like Pearl. That's a lie. I like Marina's <laughs> design. Uh, so great. in the last in the last platoon, the uh, the last plat fest was basically the waifu jihad, where you had to choose one of the two. Uh, and then based on the result of that, they did the story for this one. But in that, you know, you could make good cases for both of them. Despite some fanatics that I know listen to this podcast, um, but uh, in this one, I think there is a comp- uh, there is a very clear, correct answer. Yeah, I'm gonna have to back that up. Uh, there's a very quick, quick answer. I'm sorry, fanatic that listens to this podcast, but your waifu, she's the bad guy in the new Splatoon. Um, you know, they, they pull kind of a panty stocking and garter belt type thing, and that's right. I reference yeah. anime in the current year. Um, so she's, she, she's evil oh, now. Fuck. <laughs> All right. So that's it. That's it. Oh, that's, everything. that's everything for the news. Um, Hey, did you guys find anything special on prime day? I don't think you did. 
found a bunch of garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's more like let's clear our warehouse day for Amazon. It's a bunch of garbage that Amazon doesn't want anymore, and neither do we. <laughs> That sounds about right. Did you guys find anything on the Steam Summer Sale? Yeah, a couple of things. Oh yeah, what you get? What you grab? Uh, I got the um, the XCOM Two DLC. Um, what else did I get? Uh, I got uh, I got a couple of like small games that were like a bug on my wish list, which I probably will never play. But whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds about it, Michael. Uh, Michael, Jason, you guys get anything? No, not this year. No, me, me neither. I, I played, I played the Hitman demo that came out because they came out with like a demo that lets you play like the first few levels, and I really enjoyed it. But Gabe's not going to get any of my money this year, motherfucker. Yeah. I've been actually slowly moving to GOG. I. To be honest. That's, uh, okay, so I, I did, that's why I started this conversation because I do want to talk about. I, I, I grabbed a few things off the Steam Summer Sale, and I basically returned all of them except for uh, the Legacy of Kane franchise game that was really kind of um, Jones and Bork. Jones and play it. Only Soul Reaver has really aged well. Um, others not so much. And how I old tried. is the newest game in that series? Oh my god, that's a great <laughs> probably like out. probably like fifteen years ago at least. I was gonna say uh, Soul Reaver Two has had to have been like two thousand at the most. Yeah, that was uh, that was a series a series that uh, that died quickly. So so two thousand three was kind of like the last official game. No one's no one's talking about Nas Scott. That can fuck yeah, off. Well, but no uh. Yeah, Defiance was 2003, and that would have been the last real one. So, yeah. Um, from like a pure narrative standpoint, that that series was amazing. Um, uh, from other standpoints, not so much. But narrative, great. Voice acting, great. Um, and I tried, you know, because of my because of my Vampire Jones, I tried Vampire the Masquerade. On Steam, and I am very proud to report that the Steam version of Vampire the Masquerade Broken Lines does not work at all. Uh, it does not play at all with uh, Windows 10. It's not at all compatible, and that doesn't seem to be entirely on Bloodlines. Well, it's. Yeah, well, I, I need to point out it's not really Steam's fault. Well, it's it's partially Steam's fault. The thing is that what you played on Steam was was the release version of. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which just doesn't work on modern computers. <laughs> it needs to have that unofficial patch or it just doesn't run. Right. Which so, sucks. This is this is this this kind of brings me straight into what I've is getting on GOG. Um first of all, I found Vampire on GOG cheaper than it had ever been on Steam. It goes without saying I got my Steam version refunded. Um GOG had it on sale for five dollars, and I've never seen it anywhere close to that price on Steam. Uh, so I don't know what it is about their prices and who decides. And I've heard conflicting reports from people. That game's um, dropped to like what, only twenty bucks, and it won't go any lower. Yeah, pretty much. The so. thing about Steam now is, uh, I think, actually, Steam and Amazon have the same thing going on, where basically they already know that they are the leaders in the market, so they don't need to have those awesome sales anymore. Right. Because you know, people are just gonna go in like. Uh, 
I saw today all the fucking day, like people were like, oh my God, Prime Day, Prime Day, Prime Day. I was like, dude, first of all, you're paying for the privilege of buying shit. Yeah. Um, second, it's like, why are you so fucking happy, man? There's nothing that is clear warehouse day. And, and uh, I need to just point out how fucking skeezy Prime Day is on top of that, because Prime Day tries really hard to get you to buy other services. Like, bad enough that you already have to have a Prime subscription to get it. Um, but, you know, then they want you to buy, um, uh, you know, some other products. They want you to buy a Kindle Unlimited, which if it's anything like the Amazon Prime free movies that you get, then I'm basically just going to read a uh, Watchtower pamphlet asking me if I want to accept God into my heart today. <laughs> and it's just, it's just terrible. It's like, it's like it, it, the this is a capitalist exercise. This is what other countries look at, and they just shake their head. And you're like, you know, uh, we could use that money to eat food, but you should use it to go ahead and buy things you don't need. <laughs> um, I mean, in general, having Amazon Prime is a pretty good deal, but if you utilize it, right, right, which I do. Why? Like, yeah. like for me, uh, I mean, I stop so. For some reason, Amazon, since they opened, like, their their uh, delivery center in Florida has been awful for Florida. Um, so I bought less and less from them. So that's one. Yeah, okay. Um, most of the time, I don't buy stuff that I need to have, like, in two days. Right, and, yeah, makes sense. You know, the, nothing that I that I buy that I don't need in less than two days, I can just go to the store and get, you know? Well, um, I... For, there was a, uh, before I continue. There was a time when Steam had some really not Steam, sorry, Amazon had some really good deals in games, like two or three years ago, when they were kind of just like trying to get into this whole sales thing. Uh, and then I think Prime was a good thing because I was pretty much buying all my games from them. Mm. But okay. now it's like whatever. Listen, I I I think we need a, a quick fact check here real quick because you're claiming that um prime doesn't have any super good deals but right now this this sale is happening right now it'll probably be done by the time people listen to this tomorrow so i'm sorry but you can get the nordic games darksiders replica chaos eater sword for uh, 149.99 uh, i take it all back i take uh, it all back i'm yeah. buying my prime subscription for life right now <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad to throw that up. So on Galaxy, so on, on on Gog Galaxy, whatever you want to call it, I noticed something. I noticed two things happened uh, in quick succession. First off, was like the really cheap deal that I got Vampire on that it never went down. It never went down on um on Steam, and when it did, it didn't go down uh, very much. And I think it was you, Lucio, who said they just tend to have better deals in general these days. If you're looking to buy a game. In general, yes, they tend to have better deals. Uh, they don't have as big a selection as Steam does. Right, it's more kind of like a classic thing if you're joining for like a classic game and all that. And uh, I, uh, they have games too, but there's a lot of publishers that don't work with them. Yeah. Um, so pretty much anything that has to do with Japanese games won't be on GOG. Um, Bethesda... Uh, won't be on GOG because, you know, they're Bethesda and they fucking hate you. Um, 
stuff like that. But you can find a lot of new games there too. I wish I could check Dog first, and if I have to, I'll go to Steam. Yeah, and I, I, you know, that's a that's a habit that I have to start getting into because I think just, I, it's just like being used to it. You know, like like you have a pet or something, you just get like used to it. Or, um, you know, somebody you know is dating somebody you don't approve of, but then you get used to it being a lot. I'm just kind of used to Steam. So if I want a game, I'm like, okay, let me open up Steam and look at it. But I really have to get into the habit of checking God first. Yeah, um, so right now on the coming soon tab, they have uh, Beholder, Dust in Shadows, Antihero, which is the new Tiny Build game. Um, who was to? <laughs> um, what are you going to do? Hello Neighbor, which is another Tiny Build game. Um, so they have a, a few of the ones that are coming up. It's just... First oh, of all... You're never going to have the like amazing catalog of shit that Steam gets. And again, there's a lot of policies that just don't work with GOG. Um yeah. Well, I you know, I I I I do think that it's going to be nice to get into the habit of buying them from the first, but um not from anything in particular, but you can be sure that um you know, those games are yours. There's no DRM to kind of get in the way and say, another, you can't play this. Cause another tip is keep, every once in a while, check GOG Connect because they're still, like, adding games to it. Oh, okay. Um, well, so, we, like, I have a good check of my Steam library past to, well, not a good chunk, really, because of 300 games, I might have, like, 50, but still. And, uh, you know, I, I basically got a copy in GOG for free. So does GOG have better quality control than Steam? I don't know if it's better quality control, if it's like fewer people wanting to work with them, but the quality of the games is usually better. And even for older games, so like I bought System Shock, and System Shock was a bitch to get running before GOG. Um, And they used to have a problem where they used to have the old Doom controls, you know, with the, uh, the arrows and the strafing. All that shit. Um, and they actually have the unofficial patch to you know use the keyboard and mouse for it, and they actually got it to run modern systems. So and in general, that, you can make sure the games are going to work. And then that's actually you know what happened with Vampire the Masquerade too. I found that um, digging around in the files, the unofficial patch on the GOG version was already there, and. Right. So far, I haven't had like any problems. Like I've I've heard about what a nightmare it is to play because this always crashes, that always crashes. But that um, Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines, Ugog has been like freaking smooth as butter. Um, like I love it. I see why everyone else loved it in the past. I I think it was released um, towards the newer era of RPGs, so that's nice too. That I don't have to get my head into. A really old school mindset, like, oh, now I have to roll a d20 in order to wipe my ass. This was in like uh, 2003, I want to say, 2004. Yeah, something like it was that. in that weird, like, transitory period. Well, it, it actually, it, it actually came out. It was the, it was actually the first game on the Source Engine. It actually beat Half Life Two out. It was, oh, it wow. came out right before Half Life Two did. So huh. it was technically the first Source Engine game. Look at that. Um, but and it looks it too. Like, of, the, like the character faces, the character models look yeah. pretty good. I was surprised. You know what? I think I'm gonna buy it right now because I kind of want to play since I heard you. 
in about it. Um, so when I played this game, I barely spoke English. So it's going to be an illuminating experience. Hooray! Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, a lot of people forget that, that GOGS stands for good old games, and before they started selling new games, they exclusively sold old games with the express purpose of if you buy them from our service, they will work on your new computer, so, which is why so many of the old games that you can still get off them still work on your new computer because they that's part of the whole, or that was originally part of the whole vision of GOG to start with. I mean, I don't want to... I'm a cynical bastard, so I don't want to like pretend that they're doing it for your good but um you know so far gog hasn't failed me and you know maybe they have plenty of time to turn evil but for now yeah it's I mean, definitely I know, where i want to buy my games first well first of all i want to say that um i'm very glad that i can sell you back on vampire the masquerade i'm very glad that i can get a uh, troika a sale in 2017 so you're welcome <laughs> uh uh, second of all, yeah, I, you know, I, is I, I Kitana in it? <laughs> um, I, I don't want to give like Gog a show here unless they want to give us uh, free stuff. But yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's just a habit that I need to. Unless they want to pull a Game into. Gear. Uh, yeah. Um, this and this is how little I check it. I actually forgot that I owned. Um, uh, Red Guard, Dagger Fallen Arena on good old games and or like mm. sitting smack at that at the top of my library list. So I really, really do need to use this a bit more. Um, oh, I almost forgot. Since we technically now have two new Bloodlines players, that the thing that everyone will tell you about Bloodlines if you've never played it before, although it may be too late for Jay, I don't know what he chose for a character, but... Um, the, the rule, or the unspoken rule, is you don't play a Malkavian on your first run. Wait till you beat the game, then play a Malkavian. I, uh, I picked out, what is it? I, the, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's like the Troubadour. It's the, the theater-oriented one. And I'm actually really liking the run-through because they get a lot of theater social fact. options. Yeah. Theater fact. It, it, it's, it's not a spoiler, but the thing is about the Malkavians is that they're insane, but they're also like extremely psychic. And they reveal a lot of shit through their dialogue that you shouldn't know. And <laughs> <laughs> so you've beaten the game, basically. Uh, I would definitely look forward to that on his second run. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really pleasantly surprised by um, how easy it is to get into and how quickly missions fly by and um, doesn't feel like a chore. And I actually want to see more. I want to see where it goes next. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those games. I can see, I can see why it has its cult classic status. Um, oh, and, and another run, because this is interesting, because this is a game where you can do, like, at least three runs, and it'll be interesting every time, because generally, so your first run, you you want to not be a Malkavian. That's my only recommendation. Your second run, you can either be a Malkavian or play Nosferatu if you want to change it. The whole game changes, because you, as a Nosferatu, you can't be in public. You have to traverse the sewers only and basically play stealth. So huh. it completely changes how the game works. Wow. So... That's... Yes, That's RPG like, choices. Question. Remember those? RPG? No, I don't know. What are those? Can you explain them to me? <laughs> it's basically where you're not stuck in a fucking glass tube shooting down from point A to point B. So this might be the best transition I'm going to get to, like, uh, the main topic for tonight um, that I, I really want to get to. And I think Jason could attest for probably weeks now. It might have even been a month or more, but... And I mentioned this on the podcast before, 
Um, I haven't been modding my Bethesda games like crazy. And then I, uh, I, I reopened Skyrim via the special edition version, which I will give them credit is a lot more stable than vanilla was. Um, That's not very hard. Like, uh, you're just, <laughs> we're just telling them you did okay and giving them a gold star. <laughs> It's like a real game this time. Good job, son. Um, I've also been enabling you. You have been been enabling me. So let's see if I can get my my mod list opened up really quick because I want to see how many mods I have active there. Um, Let's see. Let's let's save current profile. Uh, Let's just fucking mute it real quick. And... uh, Let's see. So, so not to not to not to not to not to belabor this, not to like delay it. Okay, so we're up to eighty-one mods on um, my one character. I guess I could do, I guess I could do more, um, but it's just been nonstop because part of it is Skyrim. I'm noticing it's kind of really the type of game where you can only play once, and you could do everything. You could do a lot of shit. You know, it keeps you playing longer than. Uh, you may necessarily play another game, but that's how actually gonna... that's how I actually play the other clothes. Like fuck your pro playing. I do everything with one character, and then like when I'm close to the end of the main quest, I just don't finish it. <laughs> I'm not, I, I wish I was kidding, but that's kind of how I all played all of them. I haven't finished a single one of them. Uh, I definitely finished Skyrim. I've finished the other ones. Um... And in fact, I'm wondering if I'm going to finish them in the future because I've just read for the very first time George R. R. Martin's um, The Hedge Knight. And now I'm I just kind of want the next one to get out so I could just be a guy that kind of lives town to town and sells all my shit and doesn't follow the main story at all. But it, but for Skyrim Special Edition, I felt like I had to mod the shit out of it in order to get something that's even like a remotely different experience. And that's kind of how I even started doing this. I started downloading just kind of the quest mods first so the new worlds first and doing that. And of course my character was too weak. So I'm like, okay, now I have to make a character who's strong enough to actually do it. Um, and that's how I ended up with kind of my, um, uh, my new bio vampire uh, Lord that I am taking through the game right now. And there are some pretty impressive mods out there for, for uh, to, to at least create an experience. Some of them I discovered on my own. Uh, some were suggested by Lucio. Some were su- a lot, a lot were suggested by Jason. Um, hmm. Ordinator was one of them. Ordinator completely overhauls like your skill trees so that uh, you could just do all types of everything, and you could do actual classes and class builds. Like it's not something that exists in Skyrim. Like there's your cute little constellation. But you can't do classes. <laughs> you know, no. you can you can restrict yourself to things and say that's a class, but there aren't actual classes. Ordinator makes it so you're gonna have like an actual class build. So I've got like a, a destructive conjurer, um, you know, with a little bit of speech support there. They're a bard, basically a bard. And so I, I, I guess I wanted to get into, you know, the reason I curated the podcast as it is tonight. Um is I wanted to talk a little bit about just modding and what it is to mod and uh, kind of your fun times and your bad times. Um, and, you know, Lucio, I think in the past, 
he might have like a madman and I just could not picture it how he did it and you know how he <laughs> became like a god of his world that could change the weather and fall out and Jason you actually have some history as a modder uh, you've modded things in the past so uh, yeah I've modded things that people aren't even aware I modded <laughs> So that's so that's great. You're so let's your, so, so so let's talk a little bit about that, and then we'll go into um, Horizon Zero Dawn and and talk about um, you know Michael Michael can give up gives give up the business on that. So let's talk a little bit about modding first, um, and to to get us into it, you know I I I think Bethesda in particular. Um, you know, well, first of all, there's, there's that game conference that we saw, but that's that's the at first was very good at kind of allowing mods, and then I feel like they started to lean on mods to crutch a little bit, and now they're going to try everything in their power in order to make sure people are giving them money for mods, um, even if they have nothing to do with it. Uh, and you know, the way the the way America works, make America great again. So, <laughs> so the industry has been trying to find out how they can capitalize on mods for a while. Right. Um, I, I remember a, a, some a, some podcast. Uh, I was mentioning something about Gabe giving a, a chat about Linux, and one of the things we was talking about was um, finding revenue streams to create value. Um, on things that weren't being monetized. So what you was basically talking about was charge, finding ways to charge for shit they weren't charging for. And most of the things he mentioned in that chat. Um, I feel that Valve itself has kind of backed off after the experience with the Skyrim mods, like I was it, like a year ago now, two years ago. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Bethesda has the same idea, and it's a weird thing they're doing because I don't know that I want to play a Bethesda game that I know I couldn't mod. <laughs> um, yeah, they they have kind of fallen behind in the curve when it comes to to making games. Uh, I mean, say say what you want about Horizon, but uh, like it leaves Fallout 4 looking like shit. Oh, Michael's definitely going to say what he wants about Horizon, so don't you worry about that. <laughs> no, no, he will, but like, you know, just in general, like, I I can understand people who think that Horizon isn't as good as people say it is, um, but like, I still think that even if you think Horizon is mediocre, you can probably agree that it's better than Fallout 4. Um, well, but, but so but, yeah. So what you're basically saying is that um, you look at this game, and you know this is this is a completed world, and they thought through everything, and there's very few cracks. Like you know, you might find um, there's something here and there. Basically, you're walking into a home, and you can expect everything there to be in the home, and it'll be kind of up to your standards and all that, and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to sleep there, and it's going to be great. Um, when Bethesda releases a game, yeah, they have a roof, but it's a thatched roof and it's made of straw and leaves. And they're like, well, you can get a better roof, but you're going to have to go to your buddy who to make that roof for you because they're not going to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I, I know what you're getting at. And I remember so, when when um when Skyrim came out that you bought it and I pirated it and remodded it. Um, like my copy ran flawlessly because some modder just like fixed all the shit. Well, like all of the uh, like officially bought copies of Dragos like flying backwards. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And uh, uh, I um, actually that was yeah. like my 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 pre modding days. The most I had in there at the time was going Orbane. So I actually had to stop playing for the entire month that it took them to patch them. And I was actually really into it. Um, I remember exactly where I was. Uh, my Nord was stuck in Ripton, and I was really excited to get things underway, and I just had to stop playing, period. Um, there was nothing to do and wait for Bethesda to fix it on their end. Um, yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, yeah, uh, you know, but, uh, Michael, I, I never I never actually asked, Michael, do, do you fuck with mods or do you not care? I screw around with them occasionally. Uh, <clears throat> they're not a big deal to me, but you know, I do have to say, I, do, do you guys really think that having the opportunity to do paid mods means that no one will do any free mods anymore? That's a good question. So they're, uh, in the building community, there's kind of like a shitstorm about it that's dormant for now. Um, but I can tell you right now that what happens so the way that mods work right now, especially in games like Skyrim, is that they kind of daisy chain of each other, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say that you want to um to download paths of paths of elsewhere or whatever it's called. First of all, you need to get the the script extender, which is something that's fan made. Uh and it's free. So it's kind of like a mod that allows more mods. And then you need to install the uh, pass of elsewhere mod, but that mod uses other mods. All right. So it uses uh, custom animation mods, uses uh, UI mods, uses a bunch of shit. Now, what right. happened during the controversy uh, when Valve wanted to uh, do pay mods is that a lot of the mods that they offered, daisy chained of other mods, where the modder that made the original mod didn't want to have somebody else profit from their work. Uh -huh. um, so that created a rift and like immediately um, what happened is that basically a lot of mods just kind of got delisted from the Nexus because people just didn't want other people to steal their mods and use them to make money. Um, another thing that happens is um, when they try to do, because this isn't the, the first time Bethesda has done this, so they have paid mods in uh, Xbox I think. Uh, and they have their own like creator club thing that they tried to push uh, a couple of months ago. And there were people complaining that, so there was like, this monster mount mod. Um, and somebody like downloaded that mod, basically broke it down in like five different mods and started selling it in that marketplace that the rest of it. Uh, so stuff like that. So there's a lot of shit that I don't think they haven't even thought through. So that, that that's actually, um... An interesting, really interesting thing to flag, and and I think you uh, mentioned it in a way I hadn't actually thought about before because I actually, I actually, you know, do a lot more research on mods and all that than I should probably give dedicate my life to hours off my life to. But the <laughs> the the way some mods are like interwoven, I I when I think of a mod, I usually think of like the standalone shit, and unless it's like 
plus mod, um, I don't really go for the ones that are like interwoven and use uh, multiple mods. I think the I think the, the only two like ones. The problem, Jay, is that most a lot of them have mods already included in them, right? Without you having to download the original mod. No, no, no. I, so, I, I, I know, I know that. But, but what you're saying is, you know, I. But I'm, what I'm saying is that you're saying can basically end, so that in the past when I didn't have to worry about right. it, um, you know, now I might have to worry about it. But even worse, we might not even see it anymore because you know you're going to have. Uh, a, team howard and then you're going to have like team nexus and mm -hmm. uh you're not just going to see that uh in terms of this like particular aspect um uh jason in terms of michael's question what do you think this is going to do to like the before jason something just a thought that i had before yeah um i answered a little bit to michael's question as well if mm -hmm. this works if Bethesda can make this weird like creator club scheme work. I think the Nexus is fucked. They're gonna hit it so hard with a, well, with a copyright that's, claim. That's why I tossed the question to Jason because I think he's <laughs> had that same thought, but I could be wrong. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I definitely want to expand on this because again, I have a more charitable view of what's going on here. Not necessarily for Bethesda doing their creator club. I think that's more bullshitty than what Steam was trying to do mm -hmm. because. Okay, so for any of our listeners who don't know the, how the entire thing sort of went down with the Steam paid mods, they were experimenting with paid mods wherein the creator of the mod could decide whether or not they wanted to charge money for their mod. Yes. If they did decide to charge money, uh, the Valve got a... Well, I, I can't say the percentages, but Valve got a... Trust me when I say... They got a, we just want to keep the lights on cut. <laughs> so yeah. on Valve's side, they were going to make almost nothing. Um, and from there, the developers would then decide the remaining cuts. So how much money the modders got and how much money the owner of the game got. Um, so that's the first thing. Because a lot of people thought that like, oh, this was just Valve wanting to like get rich off mods. At the percentage they wanted, they weren't going to get shit, really. <laughs> No, um, in fact, the, the unofficial numbers that I saw were something like they they got like I think like three percent or something like that, and like Bethesda got like most of it, and then the mothers got like twenty five percent. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, something like it's, that. it's it's like that, and so yeah, so Valve would get its tiny single digit cut, and then uh, you know it would be up to Bethesda because at the time they. They were experimenting with the feature by only letting Bethesda do this with Skyrim because they wanted to put it on a trial run before they let all developers decide whether they want to opt into this. And of course it failed um, because of the things that Lucio was talking about where people were selling mods that didn't belong to them right. or yeah. sell it or like, like literally just not, I'm not even talking about like, oh, there's a piece of someone else's mod in their mod. I'm just saying somebody grabbed a mod off the Nexus threw it up on the steam workshop and said hey this is my mod pay me five dollars for it uh, and it wasn't no theirs. it was one that was 99 dollars i remember that yeah Jesus, so, somebody so, like from somebody else and tried to sell for like 100 bucks so so that's something they just didn't anticipate whatsoever i heard a lot of people who were just upset that that you know that there would be an option to have paid mods and uh what, what michael just asked do you think having paid mods would somehow eliminate free mods. My answer to that is definitely not because 
you have to remember that of all the people who believe that mods should be free, a lot of them are also mod creators. And to those ends, those people are still going to be creating their mods for free. Um, The people who wanted donations so that they could keep doing it, those would probably be the people who would end up uh, asking to, you know, charge a few dollars for their mods. Uh, Also, another thing that I, I feel is, I think it's a good charitable thing to remember, charitable in terms of, you know, giving the modders who wanted to charge money for their mods credit is if you allow some people to make money off their mods and they do really well, then those mods might actually soar above and beyond everything else because the person making them has funding and can actually make them fucking incredible. So uh, that was an opportunity as well. I, I, I think this actually uh, brings me to, um, it's really, it's really like a, a two part thing. Um, the, the first thing is like I, I feel like a lot of modders now, and this is even the case with you. I think it was part modding, part RPG maker that led you down this path. But a lot of modders are like, you know what? Uh, I do good work, and I know how the under mechanisms of this stuff works. You know, why aren't I making money off of this? Why don't I just go out and um, start developing my game? And a lot of my, you know, a lot of my favorite modders have actually done that. Um, and I, you know, I can't really speak much to their game because I don't, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of stuff make it to final release. Uh, very few modders seem to get hired by the video game industry and they don't seem to get hired by Bethesda in particular, even though Bethesda is more than willing <laughs> to use their ideas. Um, um but they'll be, you guys know about the, uh, the controversy with, uh, the Fallout 4 DLC, right? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, so, but let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. And and just to just to go over that really quick, basically there was a um, a quest in Far Harbor that looks a lot like a um, Fallout in Vegas DLC. That I mean, sorry, a Fallout in Vegas mod that came out ages ago. And you know, the mod owner was just like really cool about it. He you know people got him for a quote, and he was like, you know, I'm just glad that Besto was inspired by it. He was really he was a really nice guy about it. I, I don't think inspired would have been my term. And that that leads to a tricky area. And I'm, I want to get to that question as well. But my first one is um you know Jason is that like the attitude like I, I, I know how to do this now um but I, I like doing it and I think I might want to make some money off of it and then you go off and make your own game rather than trying to get uh hired by these guys. Well, and the, I guess the only the, the place where I was was most often playing devil's advocate was I was trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody who is a very skilled modder who would like to do it more and make even better mods than what they're making now, but they can't justify doing it. And this opened up almost like this almost opened up like a job sector. And then people got bitchy about it. And it's like, well, no, never mind. And that sucks for the people who are good enough to actually do this for money and make money doing it because, like, let's say they just made a mod that someone actually wanted to pay for, and now they can't do that because because people got sort of salty and they just thought that all mods are going to be paid mods now. So right. it, kind of, it kind of sucks no matter what way you do it because, obviously, in a perfect world, you want all the mods to be free. But also, it would have been nice to have just had the option for creators who are particularly skilled to be able to make a job out of it 
I mean, you're, you're, the issue is that you're commoditizing something that's been through for a while, and people will react to that. Um, I do think that maybe if they really wanted to go with this, maybe they could have done some sort of curation of the mods and maybe uh, have the company commission the mods from those very skilled modders. Um, or maybe they could have, you know, have mods that they found deserving, um, you know, polish them up and make sure. Because a lot of the problem with mods is, that, you know, I've corrupted more games than I can remember <laughs> by fucking up, fucking with mods. Um, so then, then that kind but, of takes us down this path, and and sort so sorry to cut you off, but uh, this takes up down this takes us down this path where you know I think for me, a lot of modding is also uh, testing, and I think that's true for all of us here. Like you had to download the mod, you had to test it. And then there's the question of whether or not you can even like it. And right now, that's really risk-free. And once you add kind of um, a dollar to that, it stops being risk-free. Um, yeah. You know, now you're paying for first of all the chance that it's buggy, and for the second of all that you know you don't even like the mod that doesn't appeal to you. <laughs> well, remember, wrong. Steam the, the did just fine here. for a long time with the opinion of you can download a game and we hope it works, but if it doesn't, well, go to hell. That's yeah, very was, true. Was That's why say, we even had the God conversation. <laughs> I was just going to say, don't get me wrong. This whole thing could be this whole thing with mods could be averted if Bethesda would just release a finished game to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> hey, get that um, idea. I, I don't think it's just Bethesda, but I think that you know the idea of having a, co- a company curate the best mods and then maybe put them in like you know some sort of like DLC pack. I mean, so let me tell you, there's two mods that I really. Like, I don't think I can even play New Vegas without, and that, that's um, A World of Pain and Project Nevada. I would be willing to pay, like, five bucks to, like, for a pack of those mods that I know is going to work, and that I don't need to, like, go in, like, the any files to configure. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, something like that I think would work really well. And I don't get me wrong, I don't think the mods shouldn't, shouldn't get paid. Um, I don't think Bethesda should make like 80% of that profit though. Well, and, and, and then there are like some, some modders that I find that I'm just fucking floored don't have, uh, weren't like swooped up for someone, uh, um, you know, but in particular, I'm looking, there's this one guy, um, I don't want to butcher his username. It's like, Inai Sion or Sion or something. Um, and he's the one that made ordinator. And then I found, um, Another one called Imperius, which is like a racial overhaul for mm-hmm. uh, Skyrim that made all the races feel different. And then the one that I really fell in love with was called a Sancrosanct. And Sancrosanct was um, this vampire overhaul. And it's it's not script heavy. Um, and it's Ordinator found, for Vampires. <laughs> yeah, it's Ordinator for Vampires. And I found out these are all made by the same guy. And this guy has done something like... 21 mods and 18 of them are along these lines. So he's looking at Bethesda systems and he's taking everything that's there and he's just like reinventing it into something that just has so much more depth and gives the game so much more replayability. And that kind of got, you know, if I saw his name pop up again um, under a paid mod, I, that's something I would be a little bit more like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll definitely just shout some cash for this. Uh, as long as it's like a reasonable price. Uh, so... And so that, that that's kind of that. But yeah, I love that guy's mods and his stuff has been 
kind of consistently great. Um, and that's someone who you could say, you know, if he wants to make a living off this, then that's fine. Uh, that's great. I think he should, um, you know. So there's a, a model called Eleonora. Yeah. That has been making housing for all the Vesta games since like Morrowind. Uh, I don't know about. Yeah. She makes like some like fucking amazing like housing in all the games with like interactive stuff and like super like detailed backgrounds and stuff. And like I don't know how Bethesda has an hire, especially when you see some of the housing in some of the games. It's like, dude, really? So this, so I think it's the, probably the, just sexism in STEM careers. <laughs> I don't even know if, if Eleanor is a woman, by the way. I mean, you can assume that because of the name, but I don't know. Well, if not, then uh, probably gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that brings me to kind of like my last question. Then we can like round this uh, conversation up. But that 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 brings me uh, to it's like like at, at what point does Bethesda just kind of like own the mods anyway? Because we know these people they put in their time and work. You know they 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 make the assets or they fuck around with the code or they do whatever they do. They they wave the magic wand. However mods are made. I don't know. I don't know this shit. Jason knows this shit. Um, <laughs> but they're still working within the framework that Bethesda puts out. You know, Bethesda owns that. So how right is it that Bethesda, let's say in a, in a hypothetical scenario, like sometime in 2011, Bethesda releases a video game and people like that game and then people start to mod that game and then in 2016, Bethesda takes that same game in this hypothetical and then re-releases it um, and clearly used a bunch of um, inspiration, if not flat out like the mods themselves, uh, to re-release this game as kind of like a new thing, as like the full package. Uh, how much is that like within Bethesda's rights? And in terms of uh, paid mods in general, like how much of that money do they deserve? It's still their game. Well, you know, we're talking about. In that sense, it's actually a good thing that they didn't end up letting the paid mods things happen. Because if they did, then suddenly those mods become partial sort of ownership for the people who made them. But as it is, I I think, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I think there's some sort of legality (laughs) that says, that would state that, like, technically you don't, like, own the mods you make, like, in the sense that it's because it's for the game, like, you don't. You don't necessarily own that content because you know, like you made it in their editor. Own a license to use the yeah. software. And if they had let you so actually you sell mods, it. they may not have even been able to use that inspiration for the for the special edition. So they probably did themselves a favor by by having it sort of get axed when they tried to do it on Steam before. Right. I mean, I think it's very clear that they didn't think any of the legality through when they did it for Steam. Well, yeah, and they also just didn't think through, like, the weird shit that I, I didn't think would happen beforehand. Like, people just saying, hey, this is my mod, and I'm going to sell it, even though it's not. Like, nobody... Yeah. I, it's such a simple thing, but I, I can't blame anyone for not anticipating that some jackhole would do that. Yeah, that's... I mean, I agree with that. I'm just talking about, like, the legal side of it. Like, yeah. yeah, and I think, I think I mean, legally, they pro- it's probably perfectly legal that they took inspiration from all the mods to add a bunch of shit. Although it, they still, the funny thing about the special edition is they still don't change a lot of the stuff that is sort of like duh, simple shit to change. Like there's a, 
I mean, there's one mod that's as old as Skyrim itself, where it basically just fixes the fucking UV mapping on models so that the textures <laughs> aren't stretched out and shit. Because apparently whoever UV maps at, at Bethesda is like a potato and they don't know how to do it. <laughs> and I guess they don't care. They don't care about the quality in that sense. So they just keep that person wrongly unwrapping models. And, <laughs> and but, but they don't do simple shit like that for the special edition. So I don't know. I don't know how they work there. I, I, I suspect some <laughs> level of weird nepotism that is like allowing complete incapability to thrive. Yeah. You think somebody has to like make a big Tomahawa or something? I, I imagine Oopa Loopas. Uh, so before, yeah, before, we talk about, before we talk about uh, like our, our, our two video games that we've talked about before on the podcast, uh, Jason, was there anything in particular you wanted to touch on that I might have missed? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. And I've, and, and I think I've managed to at least spit out 25% of the venom that I, I spit out about Bethesda in private with you on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, maybe, I, you know, maybe you could say something about Jared. Well, he's a not. fucking douchebag. I mean, what the fuck? What is there to say? Yeah. Fuck him. Good point. What's a compelling argument? Michael, let's talk about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, we're at like the hour and 15 minute mark, so um, it's just okay. So you're still a baby, basically. Hmm? You're still a baby, because that game takes a while to get started. Well, it really does, and it really thinks it's got a hot story that you should really care about. <laughs> are, no, you not, are you not digging it so far? Eh, I mean, it's it's better than it. I thought it would be from what I played at PAX, but eh, I'm just not really digging it. You know, it's it's okay. I mean, it's, this this is a safe space, Michael. You can say whatever you like about the game. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's kind of fun to play with the traps and fight the uh, the robots at first, but like it it gets tired pretty quick. I uh, I, I climbed one of those giraffes recently. That was fun, and then I tried to or I had to go raid a bandit camp, and I was like, this this sucks. I'm done. So the combat with humans is probably the weakest part of the game. Oh, it's pretty bland. I don't know. It's just it's another open world game full of like go here and do this if you want to, or go here and do this. And yeah, like it's. I mean, I wouldn't compare it at all to Mass Effect Andromeda, but I'm getting kind of tired of the like you go find your own fucking fun asshole mentality. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I think it takes a very kind of a specific game to. Pull that out for uh, well in terms of uh, going off to find your own your your own fun. I think Chase knows what I'm talking about because we're still here we're waiting for fucking Bannerlord to release. Yeah, it'll yeah. never come out. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I I really thought I thought really thought you had a. Uh, let's say more rip that game a new one, but it's just uh, didn't enjoy, enjoy it. Like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you guys are retarded assholes for enjoying it, but. <laughs> I, I, I have to say that, that the um that they make a really rich world, but the story in terms of Aloy's journey and all that, that's not as gripping as they think it is. Uh the world is fascinating, her personal story, uh eh, whatever. 
that's you know, it, it looks sort of like I haven't even played it or really seen much of it, but I'm looking at it now and it just kind of looks like one of those games that they come out with where it's like they checked all the boxes to get 9.0s out of the, the big websites. There's a, there's a lot of stuff so, that's very typical in, in, in the game. Like like a lot of it is very typical. I, I think the big feature is hunting. And in those first few areas, you can only hunt the same thing over and over and it takes quite a while until you get to hunt more and more interesting shit mm. so. so i think actually the the story is better than i originally thought but you don't really see that until you get into the late part of the story once it stops really being about aloy and it's more about the world at large um so i think it's it's you know that's better than i expected um the side quotes, most of them were pretty good, so I was pleased with that. Um, the camps, uh, they were okay. The human combat is awful. The machine combat is amazing late game, especially when you have all the tools and you, you have a little bit of uh, you know more dangerous enemies. Mm. Uh, it's really, really interesting, and it can be very intense. Um, I- there's a uh, lot of people sucking this game's dick. Um, <laughs> and I really liked it. I liked it enough that I 100%ed it, but I understand that it has a lot of flaws that I think are kind of offset by, I think, how much I like the um, the machine combat and the quest in general. So so that's I think that's very, I think that's very fair. I, uh, Aloy's story... It, it can be summed up like this. Uh, I, I haven't gotten to the point where you are, and I, on, I, can't, I honestly can't say that I am going to get up there, um, but a voice story can be summed up as in she is that teenager on Facebook who thinks she's smarter than she really is, uh, and she just picks like random fights with whatever user she sees posts under uh, Fox News. That's the boy. That's her story. The problem is that the uh, game yeah. never like has her have her comeuppance for being a smartass. Uh, she's a bit of a mirror too, honestly. Yeah. Um, but what, once, like I said, once the story transcends her, um, it becomes really interesting. Even though she's still central to it, uh, and I, I won't spoil it, but um, you know, she, she's still kind of like the key to the story. But the story is about more than her at that point. Uh, uh, because I don't care about her. Uh, so with the, uh, I, I really, really actually want Jared to get further in Persona 5, because if you want a less than characters, Persona 5 is a, a good less than characters. Um, but I, huh. I, 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 I want to mention... I At what mention, point does this happen in the game? <laughs> I, I want to mention really quick... This is pretty good, I like this. I, I, I want to mention really quick that, uh, that I got to play Breath of the Wild. Uh, I don't own a Nintendo console, but I got to play Breath of the Wild. You know what? So uh, did I. Uh, you did get to play first. Well, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what I think, and then we'll ask you what you think, and then we'll end the podcast. Uh, I thought it was okay. I, I, I guess I don't know if it was like overhyped or what, but I thought it was okay. I don't know that had I even played it by myself in my living room without hearing what everyone else had to say, that it would have like melted my face off. Um, it's definitely one of the better Zeldas in the last several iterations. Uh, like unquestionably, so um, I just so, don't think I loved it quite as much as I did in Link Between Worlds. But better than what? Better than Skyward Sword, I'm sure. 
Yeah, better than Skyward. Couldn't play sure. actually. You couldn't better play much, much better, much better than Twilight Princess. Um, okay. But uh, in, better than Majora's of, Mask. Uh, I don't know that I like it better than Majora's Mask. I don't know. Majora's Mask is one of my favorites. So that's what I, I think. That's yeah. like the high point in the 3D ones for me. Uh, and I and I don't know that it's better than One Waker. Like aside from Waker is really good too. You know, um, uh, the travel, which is nice, but that that's kind of it. It's like you know they they introduce open world invasions. Uh, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a dumb asshole, Jason. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a dumb asshole. Okay, well there you go. This is an 11 out of 10, bitch. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. So I played it all the way to the end. I beat it. Spent many many hours. So I'm fairly informed about it. And uh, I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was. I didn't really. I don't know. I never had it really hyped in my head. So I wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't really expecting much. I just was expecting, hey, it's going to be an okay Zelda game. And it was better than okay. And I just think it's really good. And the only, it could have been a near perfect Zelda game for me if the dungeons were not sort of using the same graphics and Mm. if the bosses were not the same boss every single time with like a different ability, basically. It's like, hey, it's another robot guy with a furry head and these. But this one does something else slightly different. And in, you know, it was really just disappointing, the, the variety of, of dungeons. And it made it feel, it almost made it feel like this was a dungeonless Zelda game, which doesn't feel very good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of worse about it. It's, and it's, 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 it's the same uh, team that made uh, Xenoblade. And Xenoblade was a lot like that, too, whereas... Uh, the world, like the overworld, is super fascinating and uh, super rich. But then you start getting to towns and dungeons, and that's not quite as fascinating and rich. I, I, I think I did myself a little bit of a disservice in the way I played it because I only had like such a finite amount of time. This was at my friend's house in Scotland. It's not like I can walk over to his house and pick up my save again and continue playing it. Um, so, and it feels like it feels a lot like. Horizon Zero Dawn or uh, Game of Thrones, where it's not enough just to kind of do what's on the surface. You just have to crawl in there and really get into the world and really want to learn about it and all that. And my gameplay for Breath of the Wild basically consisted of I saw Death Mountain. I wanted to go over there and climb it and do whatever came between the way. Uh, I got to Death Mountain. I jumped off a tower. My hang glider caught on fire. I fell into lava. And the end. Yeah. That was my well, game. I mean, that, that's one of the first things I tried to do as well. And I was like, oh, there's sort of like a little artificial barrier here. But I mean, for the most part, there aren't really any barriers to where you can go. And I understand the one for Death Mountain because it's like fucking burning. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. And also just, you know, playing something like Breath of the Wild makes me all the more angry that I can't actually climb shit in games like Elder Scrolls, where you, like you really true. should be able to climb shit and you just can't. You have to like awkwardly fly up it at a weird angle. <laughs> yeah, and you know something I told myself I wouldn't do in my uh, most late my late my latest uh, Elder Scrolls run is I said I would not do the weird thing where I would just just jump in weird places and try to scale mountains. And I've definitely broken my promise once or twice. It is very nice that you can climb up mountains in Zelda. That's great. Good job. Good job, Nintendo. <laughs> five out of five. And, and you know, I heard a lot of people complaining about the weapon durability, but to that I just say, get good, faggot. Yeah, get good. Oh. Get good. It's like Dark Souls. You have to get good. 
it, it, you know what it did? It, it, it kept me rotating my weapons and using something new constantly. Oh, I loved using that mop. That was awesome. Because, you know, when I used that mop, I felt like I was cleaning up crime. <laughs> it's time um, to take out the trash. So would you say it's a Dark Souls of Zelda? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's the Dark Souls of Zelda, and, uh, you know, the Switch is basically the Dark Souls of Nintendo consoles. <laughs> can, I, can I just non-jokingly say it is kind of the Dark Souls of Zelda? <laughs> No, you can. I know. I know it's a meme at this point, but I want to non-memetically say that it is, in fact, sort of the Dark Souls of Zelda. <laughs> I don't want anyone to laugh at me for saying that. It is kind of. The, it is kind of the Dark Souls. Of, uh, Listen, of you pl- you play it for the you play it for the first time. The for your first half hour, you're getting your fucking asshole ripped open. That's that's <laughs> true. That is true. Uh, and there's a lot of loot to find, so that's nice too. Um, <laughs> All right, so I, I, I think this is a good place to end this podcast. Uh, this has been the Dark Souls of Podcasts. Um, <laughs> I am very glad that you could join us tonight, and I, I'm very glad that we could have uh, Jason with us and give us some more uh, insider stuff on like uh, how developers think and video game designers think after uh, Teresa last week. That It would be nice if we could continue that all summer, but and that's our list of developer friends, all two of them. Well, listen, uh, I, I'm the Dark Souls of podcast guests. That's what you have that's, to understand. That's true. You are the podcast. Of, you are the Dark Souls of podcast guests. So nope, he died. <laughs> uh, if, if you enjoy this podcast. Nobody uh, would care if Jared died. <laughs> he always comes back. Then he has to go get the soul. Is this yeah, killing him inside having like, to listen to this shit? He's kind of like the invader. He probably went he's to like, bed. He's like the guy that shows up and then just like invades your game and fucks you up. All right. I really need to wrap this up because this is, this is really starting to be the Dark Souls podcast. Uh, so if you enjoy this podcast, uh, please come to our vis- visit us on our website at www.enemyslime.com. You may, listen, you may find more of our podcasts on um uh, iTunes and are we on Bandcap? I, we should be on Bandcap if we're not. We should be on SoundCloud if we're not. I don't think we're on any of those things, but we just say we are uh, because who cares about video game journalists telling the truth? Follow us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on uh, Twitter. Also, yes. please support us on Patreon because believe it or not, you can get more of us every week uh, and do our very special Enemy Slime podcast. Uh, like you, once a month. <laughs> You missed our pre-show where we discuss uh, lumberjack blowjobs. Oh God! Okay, well, I'm so sorry that I missed that one. <laughs> don't don't forget to listen for us on the radio. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, and, radio. and 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 Jason will be back on other podcasts like the Spectrum the Night. Hopefully, next time we have a game to talk about, that would be awesome. Uh, or we can just pretend to be fucking Sonic characters again. Or we could do that. We we might we might do that as well. We could return to these side characters again. Sonic Boom is doing great these days. Um, this is like the longest outro in podcast history. So I would like to say, with that, we are out, and we're out.